I feel like fostering is such an amazing way to get into any sort of animal because you don't have that commitment, right, of like a lifelong commitment to this animal. You get to experience different breeds, ages, sizes, needs, and even with farm animals, there's some great rescues and they're there to offer advice, support, which I just feel like is so invaluable, especially when you're going into a, a, a different breed or a different animal altogether. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, we welcome Darcy Gokin from Deep Farmhouse to discuss fostering animals and not just dogs. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love Dog Words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded, subscribed, rated, and shared Dog Words. Now that you're a follower of the podcast, take the next step and become a participant. Let us know what you want to hear. Go to rosiefund.org and send suggestions for topics and guests. And everyone, please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content. We just uploaded a video of KC Pet Project Foster Gregor, a big, lovable Connie Corso who's looking for his forever home. Even if you're not looking for a big dog or any dog, just sharing his video on social media will help him find the family that's going to give him the love he deserves. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today on Dog Words, we welcome Darcy Gokin from Deep Farmhouse. Welcome to the show, Darcy. Thank you so much for inviting me. Deep Farmhouse is a variety of things, and we're going to get into that in a moment, but you also have a foster history of foster involvement. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, about three years ago, we started fostering dogs for a rescue called Positive Tales out of Olathe, and we, we started with fostering puppies. And we really enjoyed it. We really felt like it was it was a good experience. We weren't really sure what we were getting into that first time and a little nervous uh, emotionally with saying goodbye to mm-hmm. puppies. <laughs> but uh, we loved it. We loved getting to connect with the families and seeing where they went. I feel like I'm a dog aunt to all of these dogs out there. And so we we kept doing it. We just kept saying yes and signing up. And then we also started taking in dogs that had a tougher history that had been in abuse situations or in, in some unfortunate homes. And so we started kind of rehabilitating them or dealing with medical issues they had. Those dogs have a variety of challenges. They do. They need to be rehabilitated and they typically do not present well in a shelter that people don't see them for what they can be. Correct. They see them as a nervous or aggressive or however they're issue is manifested being trapped in a kennel mm-hmm. at a shelter, very different than in the environment that you're allowing that dog to have. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's nice too. We don't, you know, unfortunately we don't always know what their triggers are, or what their history really is. We have some clues, but we don't know. And so it's really nice to have them in a foster home environment where we can flush out some of those things and see how they react to things. So, you know, hopefully we're really setting them up for success when they go to a new home. We can say, Flashing lights really bother them. Fireworks, you know you're going to have to do something. Or they're uncomfortable when they walk through doorways, so let them go through the door. 
first. So just different things like that. That's hard to experience when you're in a shelter. It's great that you don't try to fix every problem, just understanding the problem so Mm -hmm. that someone isn't dismissing a dog. Well, until we get it over its fear of fireworks, Mm -hmm. don't think you could accommodate this? Don't you think you could adjust your life? Because Rosie, thunderstorms and fireworks were something that she heard them long before we did. And on 4th of July, we'd go to the drive-in. Mm-hmm. When we knew thunderstorms were coming, we made sure she had her nest in the master closet, which was the quietest, most mm-hmm. secluded place in the house. And I wouldn't trade that for any other dog just to avoid yeah. the minor issue of dealing with fireworks or who goes through the doorway first or mm-hmm. flashing lights. Not a big adjustment. Yeah. And, you know, I think dogs do speak to us. They have their own language. Like they try to put out there how they're feeling. And I think, especially when you're coming in with a dog that has a rougher history, it's it's just a matter of working with them, of being able to to speak their language and understand when they're uncomfortable and make an adjustment. It's not even really that difficult or, or, or that much of an adjustment for the humans. It's just being able to pick up on those things. And a lot of times they're great dogs. They just are nervous as humans too. We have things that make us uncomfortable. I would suggest it makes us better humans. It Mm -hmm. helps us. It gives us an opportunity to practice empathy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And yet that ability to, to really look at another person, animal, whatever, and, and see them for them and not just part of the group. You have a breadth of foster experience. You've already mentioned puppies and then dogs that have challenges. What else have you fostered? We have fostered cats, kittens, and and, uh, bottle baby kittens at that, which bottle babies is a a whole other experience in fostering. And I remember that was actually, I had just started a job and said yes to these bottle baby kittens, and we were having to get up every couple hours to to feed them. And and that was a, a very unique experience. For a while, we were joking that we were a halfway house for pigs. We never actually fostered pigs, but we have several rescue pigs that stay with us. We would kind of help connect the dots. People find out you know about pigs, and with rescue, there's always some story. It gets crept in, and so someone would come to the dog rescue, but they also knew about this pig, and what could they do? And someone at the rescue would think, oh, Darcy has pigs. Let's call her up and see what to do. So we would kind of help try to connect the dots and get people in touch with the rescue that could help. We have discussed fostering pigs. They're very different from dogs, so we haven't quite known if we're ready to rise to that challenge, but probably What are the differences? What makes them more challenging than a dog? I feel like the best description I ever got of a pig is that it's less like a dog and more like a human toddler, which I would say just is so accurate. I would agree with that. They're very emotional. They find things funny or they throw temper tantrums and- they are very needy for attention a lot of times. And, you know, your dog is pretty much happy to be near you. Like just them making you happy is a huge motivator for most dogs. And with pigs, less so. <laughs> so they're they're highly food motivated, but they want what they want. You really have to be very consistent with pigs. They're less likely to get along when they meet new pigs. It's a little easier to introduce dogs or have multiple dogs around each other than it is to have pigs because they will have a hierarchy and they will battle to, to see who is in charge, who is top hog. So that's an experience. Most pigs are smarter than most dogs. Yes. A lot of people know that intellectually. They've heard pigs are smart. 
until you've actually been around pigs, mm-hmm. you don't realize what that means. Because you think, well, it would be easier to train a pig than it is a dog because they're so smart. That's not where the intelligence <laughs> becomes an issue. The issue is that anyone who's had a border collie and it didn't have enough to do, it'll mm-hmm. find things to do, or you think you know how to keep it in the yard or keep it in a kennel, the Border Collie or an Australian Shepherd, those kinds of dogs will figure it out. Pigs are the next level up from that. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can be very mischievous, and especially if they're bored. So you do have to keep them very engaged and entertained. You can't just ignore your pig and think it will find something to do or take a bunch of naps, they are on to the next adventure. You think, oh, it'll just wallow in a mud hole uh-huh. all day. Yep, yep. You think, oh, they'll probably eat and sleep, and they do do that, but when they're not eating and sleeping, they are usually finding a little bit of trouble to get into. Yeah, they're storing up energy, uh-huh. like, like a toddler. That, yep. That is an apt analogy. One of our favorite stories about our oldest pig, Cupcake, is that he has this spot that he would sleep And so if someone is dropping off a delivery, you really can't see that because there's a wall. And as you're going to tell a story about Cupcake, I want to disabuse our listeners of the notion that this is a Vietnamese potbelly pig. This is not a little 10-pound pig. He is a potbelly pig. He comes in, well, the last time we weighed him, he was 250 pounds. He's probably a little bit over that. But up to 300, 350 pounds is still well within the healthy range of a potbellied pig. So we do have two pot bellies. We have Benny and Cupcake. So Cupcake is pushing that 250. Benny is around 80 pounds, and she's probably not going to get a whole lot bigger. Pigs continue to grow until they're five years old. So although you've got a pretty good guess on what size they're going to be after a year or two, they will continue to get bigger until they hit five years. So now our listeners are picturing a 250-pound pig. Yes, so a 250-pound pig. So he would be sleeping in the shade near a little walkway that came up to our front door. And so we had a delivery driver come up and drop the package, had walked past the pig and not noticed him. And when he turned around, screamed and just saw this giant pig staring at him. And Cupcake thought this was hilarious and followed him to his truck. And then every time we would have, we have a long street that leads to our house. So every time a delivery truck would start coming up, Cupcake would hear it and he'd run from wherever he was to quick hide in this shadowed spots that he could pop out at whoever was delivering and some people really got a kick out of it some maybe less so but it was highly entertaining for us to watch through the windows the light that can come with having a pig anyone out there is considered a pig keep that in mind they're fun loving mischievous but also think about what they can grow into mm-hmm. find out Absolutely. what kind of pig you're getting because if you don't live on a farm mm-hmm. A pig needs space. They do need space. Mm -hmm. And one thing, too, I hadn't realized when we got the pig is we kept Cupcake inside, and a lot of people talk about indoor pigs, and two of our pigs are are mostly indoors. But when they get older, they kind of age out of that, and they want to be outside. And that was something we found with Cupcake. Now that he's turned three, he has wanted to start sleeping outside. So we built a little house for him to make sure that he's in a safe space at night. We also have rescued another pig, Truffles, and she's going to be about 500 pounds. She still comes indoors to kind of beg for food, see what we're up to in the winter. She, they all come in and sleep next to the fireplace, but she has been primarily outdoors and, and will stay so. And Cupcake now is really her buddy, and they, they spend the bulk of their time outdoors now. How do they get along with the dogs? Mostly good, especially with fostering. We do have chickens, ducks, as well as the pigs and cats and so we and children. So we joke that we kind of 
get a real quick test on all sorts of things at our house. So we always have to be very cautious between pigs and dogs. Pigs are prey animals and dogs will go after them. So we always have a very slow introduction and we never leave our pigs and our dogs together without us being around. It's just really been proven, even if dogs and pigs have gotten along and lived in the same space for years, they could get into a tussle. And if they do, it's it's not the same as two dogs getting into a tussle. It's very likely that the pig will be injured very severely, very quickly. So it's just something you always have to be on guard with if you have dogs and pigs. Have you considered fostering anything else? It seems like you're building a foster facility out there. <laughs> We have. We are. So um, my husband and I actually moved to the Kansas City area from Chicago. Neither of us grew up on farms. My husband actually grew up with no pets or animals whatsoever. So it's very much been a learning curve as as we've kind of gone down this road. So we've kind of slowly been adding on and growing. I feel like fostering is such an amazing way to get into any sort of animal because you don't have that commitment, right, of like a lifelong commitment to this animal. You get to experience different breeds, ages, sizes, needs. And even with farm animals, there's some great rescues and they're there to offer advice, support, which I just feel like is so invaluable, especially when you're going into a, a, a different breed or a different animal altogether. So we have discussed goats, donkeys, horses. My daughter is begging for a horse. So we've just kind of been slowly getting closer to the facilities that we need and the connections that we need. And and we will see our, I think our next big goal is to adopt or foster some donkeys. So stay tuned. It's no secret that facilities like KC Pet Project and other shelters have dogs, mm-hmm. have cats, the occasional pig mm-hmm. or bunny. It's a surprise to a lot of people that they also have rats and snakes and donkeys or whatever else animal control. Mm-hmm is responsible for, whether it's a stray animal or an abandoned animal, abuse or neglect situation, owner surrender. There needs to be a place for that animal. Facilities don't always have the space. Sometimes they don't have the expertise. Mm -hmm. Where would you expect to get a donkey, I guess, is where I'm going? Because there's not a huge supply of donkeys but there is a need. You just don't know when it's going to come up. Well, so there are a couple rescues that aren't too far away that, that specialize in donkeys and horses. TNS Rescue is one that we have looked at a lot. There's a, a woman who fosters for KCPRNN, which is the Kansas City Pig Rescue Network. And she fosters all sorts of different things. So she fosters pigs for them. I'm not sure what all rescues she fosters for other animals. But she has donkeys, goats, horses out there as well where we actually adopted cupcake from it's called long meadow rescue ranch and it's out near st louis but it's a humane society shelter that is for farm animals so they have tons of horses donkeys goats ducks chickens you name it they have it out there and you can actually go out and just tour their facilities they're really beautiful it's they'll do like farm days where you bring your family out and ride on a tractor and meet all the different animals and their stories so yeah, there's some really great places that, you know, really are kind of under our noses. I really didn't know about a lot of these until we started looking into it and seeing that there was this need that we that we weren't even aware of. There's a lot of expense that comes with fostering. How do you cover that for your foster pets? It depends. For us personally, 
we're very lucky that we have that disposable income that we can set aside that goes towards our fosters. So we do spend a lot of our own personal money on that and consider it a donation to the rescue. But other people, that's not necessarily something you have to be able to to take on if you're foster. So for example, with, with Positive Tales, like they do send you the food, the pee pads, the medical care. So although there will probably be some other expenses, the bulk of it can be covered by the rescue. So every rescue is a little bit different, but most of them really try to keep it as low cost as possible for their fosters. Then in most cases, someone who wants to be a foster needs the space Mm -hmm. and be able to make the time commitment Mm -hmm. and then the level of expertise. And there's always people there to help you. Mm -hmm. And you can start with an animal that you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And there's, again always somebody who can can coach you up on anything that happens. Yeah, you know, the beautiful thing about rescue is there's some really great people and everyone's here for a common goal. Like we all want to see this dog go to their forever home and and be in a safe and a happy space. So, you know, we've had times where we had a dog that then kept going after our chickens. So we told the rescue, we, we just can't foster this dog. Like he's constantly jumping over the fence and getting these chickens. And so the next day, We swapped with someone else who didn't have chickens. We took on their foster. They took on ours. So those connections are just really so invaluable because even if you know so much, there might be an animal that you bring into your home that's just not the right fit for your family and your lifestyle. Like I said, we have so many animals and children running around. Like we've had a couple hospice dogs that we set up a separate area so that it's really quiet for them. But if we didn't have that extra space, we would not be a good home for them. So, yeah. So it's just really, you know, working to find what works for you. Yeah. It's important to be honest with yourself. It's great that someone wants to help, Mm -hmm. but be a real, be realistic about what I can provide. Exactly. Right. So if you don't have the environment for a hospice, even if you have the right heart for it, if you don't have the right space, find another way to help. Mm -hmm. And there's so many ways to help fostering, isn't necessarily for everyone, but there's a million jobs in rescue. There's so many needs, you know, even transport, donations, showing up to help bathe dogs, do fundraising. There's so many different ways to get involved. In the Kansas City area, there's so many opportunities with KC Pet Project and Great Plains SPCA and Shep's Place Senior Dog. I'm just mentioning Mm -hmm. ones that touch base with on our show and many others Find the one that's convenient or find someone you know who goes to one of those. Most of them have some sort of orientation and Mm -hmm. you'll figure out pretty quick, this is a fit for me. If it's not a fit, don't give up. There are Mm -hmm. so many other places you can go and just dipping your toe in the water, you may find there's some sort of experience with volunteering to help animals, being an animal advocate that you didn't even realize was a possibility. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm talking to the woman who grew up or came from, did you grow up in Chicago or just? I grew up in came? Nebraska, but yes, but dogs was as exotic as we got at, at the house. So we always mm-hmm. had a family dog, but really did not have experience with any other animal. So. so someone with the entry point of a dog and then being in Chicago and married to someone who didn't even have the dog experience. Mm-hmm. Now you have this wonderful menagerie that I'm going <laughs> to speak for you. I'm sure you wouldn't trade for anything in the world. No, it's, it's been so great. And I'm, I think too, I've been so glad to provide this experience for my kids. As you said, like, I just think it teaches compassion, like it teaches responsibility. It teaches being able to put others first because it's not always convenient or fun to have to run home to check on the dogs. I mean, we have 
breakfast and dinner time at our house is quite the elaborate dance with getting everybody their food and their spaces. At the end of the day, life lived in service to these animals is just such a great life. You feel so good about what you're doing. Not to mention all of those skills you just listed are life skills that will pay great dividends as an adult and in any job, being able to communicate effectively because obviously you're coordinating these efforts as a team to be able to work in a team, but also be able to work individually to be responsible enough to identify an issue and have the initiative to solve it. All those problem solving skills, the critical thinking skills, no matter what you do in life, they're going to need those skills and to develop them as a child and not as an on-the-job training or college coursework, you are not going to have it as ingrained as you do growing up living it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and and it's it's jobs where someone is relying on them. Those animals are relying on them to get their job done. So it's not, you know, something that they can put off or do later. It's, yeah, it's, it's not very something needed. token that you've just told them, yeah. Well, clean your room. And if you don't clean your room, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. Nothing mm-hmm. suffers, nothing dies. It's just a mess. Feed the dog, close the gate. Mm-hmm. Don't leave a dog and a pig unattended. Those have consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and even just, you know, being really mindful in in the choices that we make, we've obviously grown a lot, but we've gone very slowly with the animals that we have brought in and really researched what we were doing and talked to other people and asked what mistakes they made. And and not that we haven't made mistakes, but we've tried to go as slowly and as mindfully as possible. And we know that every time we're bringing an animal in as, as one of ours, that we're committing to it for life. So for pigs, for example, live for 20 years. So I know for the next 20 years, I'm going to be living on my property caring for these pigs. And that's something that we always ask ourselves when we commit to a new animal or to a new endeavor, can we put the money, the time, the care that we need to, to make this a success? And I think that's just important to remember because especially with rescue, there, there's always so many stories. There's always, you know, another animal that needs help. And yeah, you don't get into this because you have, you know, a tough heart. You get into it because you have a sensitive heart and you want to help everybody. And one of the pitfalls in rescue is just really being able to take care of yourself and be mindful of what you can do and what you can't do. Just like you said, being really honest about what you can provide and and what you can do to make sure that whoever you are helping, you're giving them their absolute best opportunity. We always encourage our listeners to take that step, to be of service, to contribute however you can, whether it's your time, whether it's your money, whether it's your expertise, it's going to be appreciated by the animal rescue community, the animal activist community. If you'd like to live vicariously through the service efforts of Darcy Gokin and Deep Farmhouse, you're on Facebook. Where do they find you on Facebook? Just at Deep Farmhouse is our our handle on Facebook, or we are also on Instagram. You'll get to see pictures of all the animals, but especially endearing are those pictures of Cupcake. Yeah. We have lots of listeners in Nebraska because both my wife Dawn and I are from Nebraska, so Mm -hmm. I would be remiss if I did not circle back and ask, where are you from in Nebraska? Omaha. Omaha. Yep. Nice being from Omaha because you don't have to tell people where that's at. Yep, everyone knows it. (laughs) I'm from a small town, Tilden, and Dawn's from a small town, Roca, and you have to give 
landmarks, I have yeah. to say, we're from west of Norfolk. We're just up to 75, and she has to say we're south of Lincoln. And if you're old enough, you remember Lyle Bremser occasionally saying a uh, long touchdown play for the Huskers that was all the way to Roca <laughs> if it was toward the south end zone. Anything else we need to cover? Did we hit everything that uh, we want to share with our listeners today, Darcy? I think so. Well, I'm so glad that you do what you do, and I'm so glad that you took time out of doing that to come talk to us on Dog Words. If there are any changes at Deep Farmhouse, any uh, new animals that you add, any new facilities that you put up, we want updates. You can either just pass those along to us or just come back for another interview, okay? Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Darcy Gokin from Deep Farmhouse. Follow them on Facebook and check out Positive Tales and Kansas City Pig Rescue Network. Their websites are linked in the description for this episode. Be sure to catch the next episode of Dog Words when we welcome weather forecaster, dog lover, and Kansas City broadcast icon Gary Lezak. I also want to thank alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. We've gotten wonderful feedback from listeners telling us how much they enjoy the music we use on this podcast. We appreciate you telling us, but let Sasha and Laurel know. Go to their website, download their music. Also, check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Support Rosie Fund by following us on social media. And please subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel. We're still trying to secure the Rosie Fund URL. To do that, we need more subscribers. You can support Rosie Fund's mission of helping senior and harder-to-adopt dogs by choosing Rosie Fund as your charity with Amazon Smile. It costs you nothing. Amazon has money to give to charities and wants your help identifying worthy causes. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships. Then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words Podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other. Bye.